Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast. How much our belief system is shaped by those early years, from one to seven, uh, from zero to seven for that matter, and even before maybe. But uh, it's during that time that our mind is mainly right brain functioning at what's called a theta wave level, four to eight cycles per second, which is the frequency of hypnosis. It's no, there's no, no filters. Whatever you're being told, whatever you see happening, that's what's going into that mind. And that's why children are so susceptible. The Jesuits say, give me your child until they're seven years old and I'll show you the adult. And I'm thinking, gosh, I wish that was unity. <laughs> because can you imagine if a unity child, and there, I know there's many that have been raised in unity, I didn't have that blessing, but many, how many here have had that blessing? A few. Okay, it makes such a difference. When I found unity, what a change it made in my life. Uh, but what I want to talk about is in the history of our movement, our unity movement, healing is what it's all about. It goes back a long ways, and we call it a new thought movement. Unity is a branch of that, just like um, religious science, or now it's called Centers for Spiritual Living. But that tree that those branches are on has roots that go 100,000 years deep into shamanism. And I know we've got shamans in this room. Do we have any that are willing to? Okay, I know we do. <laughs> and to this day, uh, shamans are healing people uh, by some of the same methods and some updated science and technology that goes along with it. Last week, Mona Delfino, uh, you, how many were here for that talk? Most of you. She's a shaman extraordinaire. When we went to the workshop afterwards, she did some amazing energy work. Uh, I was lucky enough, and Joanne and I were both lucky enough to be there. And it was startling, some of the revelations that we learned about ourselves from her insights. Uh, Anastasia talked about intuition the week before in healing and how our intuition can guide us. And there's a big history of using intuition for healing in our movement. And when I told Joanne I was going to talk about the history, she said, well, that sounds boring. <laughs> you did, you did. <laughs> but, but what I know, and what she knows too, is that there's so much that we can draw from history that can lead to new understandings, new awareness of why we came to be the way we are. And when I think of history, I change the word to his story, her story, your story, my story, because that's what it is. As we draw understanding from it, new meanings come into our life. And that's why I love history so much, because so many of the people that have been involved had such wonderful revelations. Revelation wasn't just biblical. Revelation is here and now. Each one of us have access to it. And I'll start with I'll start with the shamans uh, and work our way through Jesus and through biology of belief, Bruce Lipton, 
and Abraham. There are so many teachers along the way. And of course, the New Thought teachers in the middle. Uh, shamans, of course, just basically changed people's beliefs. That's what they did fundamentally. They, they helped them to believe that any evil spirits or any negative thoughts that were in them could be drawn out by them and replaced by positive spirits or positive thoughts. Am I right? Shamans? Nobody's going to tell me. There's no Nobody's in there. <laughs> anyway, they did that. And from there, if you look at the methods Jesus used, it was about belief also. He said, by your faith are you healed. It was belief. It was all about belief. And he had ways of healing that the shamans had never thought about. It was all spiritually based as well as belief based. Uh, he said, all these things I do, you can do, and even greater. And that's why we have so many healers here in this community. That's why a lot of the New Thought people that followed him were able to do it, because he taught a method that could be used. It wasn't just miracles. I mean, I know that the Bible says they're all miracles. But then he sent all his disciples out and they healed. So were they all uh, a miracle of God, the only son of God? Or? We're all sons and daughters of the one God. And we all have the same power that Jesus had. And we can use it if we believe we can use it. So belief comes along again. Then we come to Bruce Lipton, the biology of belief. It affects our very cellular nature. It affects our very DNA. Uh, it's funny because uh, just this morning, I think it was Dale asked me, he said, what's your secret? Uh, you have lots of energy. I, he, I don't know if he said that, but I took it that way. Uh, uh, and, and you seem to feel good a lot. He didn't say that. I said that. What's your secret? He went, I knew what he was asking. And uh, I thought about that a bit. And I said, you know, I think what it is, is that I've planted a lot of positive beliefs over the years in my life. And more than anything else, more than the DNA, because DNA only accounts for 1% of the sicknesses that we talk about people having. The rest of it comes from our lifestyle, our beliefs. That's where it comes from. Stress is the main one. 70% of most problems and diseases come from stress. And here's another interesting fact. Most of our beliefs that we learn during this zero to seven time period, 70% of those were negative beliefs. Uh, for me, for example, uh, were, I was raised by parents of the Depression era, lack consciousness. And that was my belief until I met Joanne. And she taught me all about prosperity. Money doesn't grow on trees. Oh, yes. Universe doesn't owe me a living. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes. She should be up here talking about that sometime. But uh, yeah, so when I think about what works for me to keep me vital, it's yes, I, I try to eat well, Mexican mainly. <laughs> Other ones are well, too, uh, that I... And, and I try to exercise a lot. I love to exercise. Uh, and I'm sure 
the DNA has a small factor as well. But you know what the biggest single factor is? Is our attitudes and beliefs. When we plant positive beliefs, we change everything. Even the DNA. Bruce Lipton tells us that we have what's called epigenetic changes in our DNA. When we change our beliefs, we change our very DNA. And so you say, well, I inherited this sickness or that sickness. And no, you didn't. We are all children of God and we don't inherit sickness. And that's what Myrtle Fillmore taught us. So anyway, let me take you through. How's, how's my time? When did I start? <laughs> I just talked forever. Ten more minutes. Thank you. Okay. So I've got time for this. Yeah. So uh, the history of New Thought starts with a fellow by the name of Phineas Quimby. Great name, easy to remember. <laughs> Phineas Quimby lived in the 1800s, and then from 1845 to 1866, he healed 10,000 people in the New England area that doctors had given up on. And he said, here's his method. He said, I sit with the person quietly, and I try to intuit what are some of the issues that are causing the disease. And I find that 50% of the issues are error thoughts or fear thoughts based on their religious upbringing. Whoa, fear God. Uh, retribution. Old Testament, 20 million people killed by God. Okay, so I'm not saying that the Bible isn't good. I'm saying that you've got to take it metaphorically and metaphysically. And when you do, it changes everything. Uh, but he taught that he had simply rediscovered the method of Jesus. He found the error thought and he planted new affirmations and gave them a belief that those new affirmations would change the disease and have it evaporate. Sometimes it was in one session, sometimes it was in several. But people walked away healed. And he called his method the science of Christianity or Christian science. And he said, I've just simply relearned what Jesus taught. And one of his uh, people that came to him for healing was a lady by the name of Mary Baker Eddy. Anybody heard of that name? Yeah. She, Christian science. So she was so amazed at the healing that, he, uh, that occurred for her that she asked for his manuscripts that he was writing for a book. And she studied and studied and studied and kept them for a long, long time and eventually established the Church of Christian Science. And in it, she said, uh, at first she gave full credit to Quimby. Then later she said, no, actually, the uh, science and health and key to the scriptures that I've written is the Eddie Bible. And that came directly from divine revelation, although it had a lot of the hallmarks of the Quimby. But the difference, she said, is that Quimby used mind cures. I use spiritual cures. And they cure everything. We don't need doctors anymore and so on. And that's the direction Christian science went. Uh, so I give Quimby full credit, uh, whether she does or not. Uh, but uh, she's done a lot of good. She's healed many people herself and her church and her um, Bible, let's say. Thousands, maybe millions of people have been affected by it. If it weren't for her, there wouldn't be a New Thought Church. There wouldn't be a Unity Church. Because one of her students, uh, Emma Curtis Hopkins, 
who came to her to learn healing and to learn the Christian science, ended up saying to her something like, I don't know exactly, they had a falling out, let's say that way, but it probably went like this. Maybe there's some other modalities besides your Bible that could come to play. Uh, so take a hike, lady. <laughs> this is the only word of God. This is what came through me. Nothing else. That's it. And so she took a hike and she formed a metaphysical college in Chicago and she taught the healing methods but added in a lot of new methods. Her most famous uh, way of teaching was to say, always name your good and name it God. And she would start with that and then she had 12 lessons that she And she taught all of the teachers that ended up being New Thought ministers and forming New Thought churches. Many of them never intended to form a church, like the Fillmores, who formed Unity uh, in the late 1800s. Uh, they just wanted to do healing, just like she did, and they began to do healing. Uh, the story of Myrtle, you've probably all heard before, but she went to a talk by E.B. Weeks in Kansas City, where they lived at the time, and she had tuberculosis. She was supposed to die pretty soon, and E.B. Weeks said, you are a child of God, and you don't inherit sickness, and she left there with that mantra, and it changed her life within two years. The tuberculosis was gone. She lived to be in her late 80s, and she lived a wonderful spiritual life and helped so many people, healed so many people, even began to do remote healing. Just tell us your name and where you're at, and formed Silent Unity, and they do remote healing right now. They take requests from all over the world, millions of requests, and uh, respond to them on a daily basis, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Quite a mission that they've established there. And there's also Unity Village up there with 1,260 acres and just beautiful grounds. You've got to get there sometime if you haven't. So uh, this brings me to uh, Abraham. Uh, I have to say that a lot of my spiritual path, Unity provided a lot of the fodder for it. But when I found the teachings of Abraham Hicks uh, through Esther Hicks, anybody heard of Abraham? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm not alone here. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. And Abraham taught me something that I needed to know. And it's called the art of allowing originally is what Abraham was teaching. And it's how much allowing well-being, which is the nature of the universe, allowing it as opposed to focusing on the problem. Yeah, we all have sicknesses at times, we all have pain at times, uh, we all have health issues. And the more we focus on it, guess what? Kind of the more it grows lots of times. But if you focus instead on the path to healing, on what you want to see as the outcome, how am I going to feel? What's it going to look like? Uh, what's it going to taste, smell, feel like? everything, get all your senses involved and just put that vision out there and it will change that problem into something healthy and wonderful. So that's the key uh, and belief is what it's all about. You've got to believe it. If, if you can't believe it, if you can't conceive it, you ain't going to achieve it. <laughs> and I don't know who said that, but somebody pretty smart because smart, I remember reading it somewhere. But um, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that there's uh, some examples in my life uh, and in my experience uh, 
of both the placebo and the nocebo effect. Placebo effect, you take a sugar pill, you think it's the right stuff, and you heal, right? 30% of people that take placebo pills are healed. That's a pretty big percentage. Uh, a pill to come on the market and be effective only has to be, improve that by 1 to 10%. 31 to 40%? Oh my gosh. Why not just take all sugar pills? <laughs> but seriously, placebo effect, nocebo effect, you believe the doctor plants something in your mind, you've got cancer, you're going to die. Okay? And what happens? Well, I know what happens because my cousin went through that. Uh, he and I are the same age within three months, were. Uh, he's still with me, but in another realm. Uh, uh, we looked alike, we went to school together, we got mixed up because he was John Pasmore, I was Jim Pasmore, Jay Pasmore. I could get him in lots of trouble. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, vice versa as well. Anyway, uh, when I found out that he had lung cancer, uh, I went down to visit him and I took Norman Cousins' book. Uh, what is that called? I've forgotten. Somebody knows it. No, no, it's not that. That's it. Anatomy of an illness. I knew that. See, the love comes back. Thank you. In any case, I took that with me and I said, John, these uh, stories in here are real stories of people that have had spontaneous remissions by focusing on love, by focusing on joy, by focusing on all the good. And he said, no, I went to a specialist. He's an expert. He told me I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And he did it right on schedule. Uh, and I'm getting the signal, but I'm going to tell you one more quick story. Ha! <laughs> so Joanne and I went to see the movie called The Farewell. Has anybody heard of that? Have you seen it? Yes? Yes. Well, it won't be a spoiler alert for you, but it will be for the others, because I'm going to tell you the outcome. I have to, because it's the, it's the placebo effect. Uh, this grandmother uh, in uh, China was dying. Oh, well, they, she didn't know she was. She went to a doctor and got the same diagnosis that my cousin did, lung cancer. And only her sister, who went with her, got the information. And she didn't tell her. And she called all the relatives, some of them were in the U.S., one was a granddaughter, and they all made up this story that uh, one of the granddaughter's cousins getting married in China, everybody has to come and be there, and we'll all gather at grandma's house, because they all wanted to say goodbye to her. Uh, but the, the granddaughter said, you know, this isn't right. We need to tell her. It would be illegal in the U.S. not to tell someone that they're going to die. And they said, in China, we have a saying. If you get cancer, you're going to die. I said, that's quite a saying, but, you know, what does it really mean? It means we don't want to tell her, because if she knows she's got cancer, she's going to die. So they told her that it was a lingering cold. She, she recognized that, and they were giving her pills for pneumonia, and she knew that would cure her, and she lived another six years. So doesn't that kind of tell the story of what we can do with our bodies if we decide that we want to do it? If we, and I've ignored doctors' advices at many times, and I was going to tell a couple stories about that, but I won't, uh, especially because Dave and Linda have heard them too many times. <laughs> so I'll just close by saying, uh, just know 
that you do have the power within. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Whatever these things I have done, you can do, and even greater, you have the power to heal. Use it.